0: Hi, and welcome back to The Expansive. My name is John. I am one half of The Expansive podcast. I am an author, a keynote speaker, and a futures strategist. And I'm joined by my ever handsome co-host, Eric Kruger, (laughs) who's an executive coach, author, and speaker. How are you doing there, Eric?
1: So is that what we've settled on now? We've settled on ever handsome?
0: Well look, every time I read the intro, I think to myself, <laughs> what am I going to use quickly and then handsome comes to mind and you're a handsome guy. Otherwise I wouldn't be a podcast take with it. you. I'll no, take it. No no no, I mean it's not your brains I'm with, I'm with because of your looks, right? <laughs> um so uh, I, I read something about Angela Merkel the other day. They said, "Why do you keep wearing the same clothes?" She said, "I'm not a model. I'm the president, I'm the prime minister of <laughs> Germany." And I was like, oh, "That's a very good thing, you know." So Eric, what's up? How you doing there? How you doing? You good?
1: hey brother all good uh really happy to be back recording this week this is episode number 84 for those keeping count uh we've been loving these uh i always relish really the opportunity to have a chat to you every week about uh how we can be more expansive how organizations and individuals can be more expansive uh what's been happening for you you obviously uh somewhere outside of SA at the moment
0: Hang on, why did you do the rest of the intro on my behalf, dude? That was my, that was my part of the intro. I'm, I'm trying to be spontaneous. <laughs> well, you know, uh, people always comment that it's always great to be part of uh, two friends conversation, and this is exactly what it is. It was supposed to be my intro, but my friend bullied me to taking my <laughs> intro over with me. So either way, I am today in Florence. I've just come out of the uh, David statue um, uh, mm. with uh, Michelangelo's work. And it obviously, fascinating, the level of detail, the history, why, what, where. But one of the things that really stood out for me was the fact that Michelangelo, um, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, and many of these artists were all gay. I didn't know that. Mm. Even Shakespeare. I also didn't know that. Yeah, neither did I. That's why David is the male body. It's the perfect male body. And that's why many of the statues that these guys have sculpted all have... Open penises <laughs> attached to them, right? So, and, and I didn't really click, uh, but yeah, and, and look, because he was a very religious man, he had much torment inside his head, you know, because he was stuck between this few, really religious person, but not being able to express his sexuality um, made him very, very frustrated. And you can see that in little details of his art, you know. And so, really fascinating and really awesome. Interesting. Uh, to, mm. Yeah, just so many little details. And i got tours later today, tomorrow, and on Friday, I'm going to Cinque Terre which is one of the most beautiful sort of coastlines in Italy. So really having a great time and... Uh, Living the
1: tourist life, hey, eh? Jeez, like on full blast.
0: And you know what's so great is that I keep getting told by all these tour operators how lucky we are because there's no tourists here. So there's no Chinese, yeah. there's no Russian, there's no no really anything. There's only Italians. So I keep mm. hearing Italian accents and Italian language, obviously, but hardly anybody else. And when we were at the Vatican a few days ago in Rome... The lady said, you're so lucky to be right in front of the statue. There was some famous statue. She says, we could never get in front of the statue. This is like, this is surreal.
1: So listen, dude. Yeah. um, You know, we so Dan and I traveled to to Rome um, probably about a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I loved Italy. We ended up going to Sorrento and there's that one um, man, I'm going to forget the name now. It's going to really bug me. It's that beautiful city that sits against the mountain. Um, do you that, know what I'm that, talking about?
0: Yeah, that's only about 87 cities here in Cape Town uh, in Italy. No, no, Thanks this so is much. Like, yeah. It's
1: a very iconic one. It's a very iconic one. It sits like, against the mountain with the ocean it's in front of it. It's very tiny. Us. Yes.
0: Yeah, Cinque Terre, the one with coloured no. buildings.
1: Yeah, it it, it has coloured buildings, but it's not that's not what it's called.
0: You should prepare better for these podcasts, Eric. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how else to say it to you. We are now live. Surely you should have this information and googling it behind the scenes. Anyway, you had a good time. Anyway, yes. what I'm
1: trying know what I'm trying to tell you is that when yes. we went, yeah, um, the two things that stood out for me about Rome specifically mm. was that number one, you could not get close to anything. Like we yeah. were at the Trevi fountains. I saw your yeah. picture from the Trevi fountains. Yeah, we couldn't get close to it, dude. It was wow. it was so packed and busy. And it's, it reminded me of those Instagram pictures you often see where they show like like the Instagram life. Yes, yes. Versus and the then what's really of it, going on? Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And then the second thing was that I was really upset about the quality of pizza in Rome. Mm. I just I, I expected that once you get to Rome, yeah. every pizza everywhere yeah. should be incredible. Yeah, and it was it the wasn't. furthest thing from it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I, I actually, uh, I think I posted on, on Insta that uh, one of the pizzas I had was worse than a Calcaccio's pizza in South Africa. <laughs> um, and look, to be honest with you, if you yeah. eat at the wrong place, I think, uh, yeah, imagine eating in Long Street or something like that. It's not going to be great. Yeah. You've got to really find the yeah, little yeah. little pearls. And also, look. I mean, the, the minute you move out of Rome on the outskirts, then all of a sudden these little trattorias start popping up, and uh, Giovanni and his uncle, 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 great grandfather have been there making the same meal for two hundred years. Those are the real special ones. You know?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: one, one of the th- one of the amazing things I saw was the Colosseum, and just the level of brutality that humanity practiced you know 2000 years ago just killing people at a whim they would have lunch at 12 o'clock and watch all the executions the executions were done by animals eating them and a bunch of like other ridiculously wow. r- ridiculously violent and disgusting things and people eating lunch watching this like as a <laughs> so uh, yeah some some really amazing <laughs> and 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 weird and wonderful things and obviously um, now I've had some time to settle in on the Vilnais talk and the Riga talk and all the people that I'd met there. And something that's really dawning on me about Europe is the amount of money and the pride they have about their past. And this is really what today's topic is going to be about mm. is... Where do we sit on our focus of thinking about the future, celebrating and investing in it, and thinking about the past, celebrating it, and investing in it? And mm. one of the one of the people I met was telling me about an Italian speaker that speaks about the breathing of empires. And he was explaining that Europe spends much more money on keeping their past alive than investing in their future. Because obviously their past was so successful and so, I mean, just Italy is just mind blowing the yeah. level of genius these people had hundreds of years, thousands of years ago. But then you get the Middle East, like Dubai and Abu Dhabi, and you get China and Singapore, and these people are much more focused on their future than they are on their past. And what he explains is the breathing of these empires where some are breathing and running out of breath. These are the ones investing in their past and the ones that are inhaling into the future. And I love the fact that Dubai has a minister of artificial intelligence, a minister mm. of blockchain. They focused on 2050 and 2070, whereas Rome and Florence and Italy and all these other sort of places are very much about the tourism coming in to look at their past. I found this also in Egypt where a main attraction is their past, not their future. And so it's, this, it's really an interesting thing to want to take a look at is like, where are you sitting with your focus? Are you protecting your past or are you investing in your future? And I thought it would be a great topic to try and relate into corporations as well as mm. individuals. And I think both of these are rich subjects for us to unpack today.
1: Yeah, I love it. And, you know, I in preparation for the podcast, I was thinking a lot about… You um, prepared? What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, For okay. a change. Oh, for a what change. Do you mean? Like, That's I amazing. I always prepare and then you always bitch when I have my little notes next to me. <laughs> because you prevent while i was talking
0: no i'm kidding i'm
1: kidding yeah um yeah i I was thinking about how it has for example influenced my life and the fact that we you know as we grow up there's a lot of tradition that is instilled in you in various areas of your life whether it's religion your culture your Mm. language and a large uh, there's a a large part of you that wants to preserve what got you to where you are the, mm. the kind of person that you were or, or who you were in the past but then there's also this drive towards where am I going and who do I want to be mm. and as we so often talk about is that for you to step into that new space you always have to let go of something something mm. that's quite precious and dear and near to you you mm. know and I mean you know you speaking about these uh these countries or cities and the different ways they approach it it's the same thing. Like, I mean, that history is so near and dear. It's such a deeply embedded part of, of who they are mm. that it's also difficult to kind of rebrand and rethink who you might be at some point in the future.
0: Yeah, look, I think when you have such a rich history, it's it's hard to let go of. And yeah. like, if you think about Dubai, and I've said this many times, I love the fact that that city has very little history. You know, it has obviously history. But it's got very little history. It was, it was, it was almost like a, a fishing village. There were pearl divers, uh, 60, 70 years ago. And so there isn't that much to preserve. There's only the future to look at. But mm. again, this comes, it's almost like Dubai is a startup, right? And Italy is a, is a 2000 year old company and oh. the approaches is, is, is very different. Now it's very hard also as Italians to let go of being Italian because I mean, being Italian means you're Roman. It means you come from this incredible dynasty and lineage of genius and such immense pride that they have you know everything's about the azuro and the men are and look i'm not gay just for the record But the men, I've never so good looking. It's unreal. (laughs) The police, I'm like, this is a Giorgio Armani model that's become a police. Or it's a policeman that was a Giorgio Armani model that's walking around Rome just haphazardly. But it seems like not even one. It seems like all of them uh, have to be really good looking to become policemen. So I mean, I imagine it must be hard to let go of that. I don't come from that sort of past, you know. I'm Iranian, born in Swaziland. I mean, I just I don't even know my history, right? Like I, I came with nothing of that. So. I think the topic today really to try and think about um, the way I was trying to like working it out in my head is you get political um paradigms, right? And in the political paradigm, what you have is far right, far left, center, and then center, left, center, right. And if you try and peg yourself where you are, are you center, are you center, left, center, right? Are you leaning? Are you a little bit more into the left and right? And what I've started to realize is that, you know, everybody's point of view is valid for them. And there's no point for you as a far left trying to convince a far right because that's just not going to happen as much as you want to shout and throw your toys out the cot. And Mm. I myself am a center left and my publisher, Tim, is center right. And there's always such a wonderful discussion between us because he makes very valid points. I also make valid points, but then he tries to get me to move towards the center and I get him to try and move towards the center because we want to get that balance in my writing uh, when we get out. So we're not leaving anybody behind. But if we take that same ideology and we think about, are you center future or are you center past? Mm. And often what we do is because we've been so successful in the past, we want to hold on to that success, that identity, what got us, like you said, to hear as much as possible. And preserving that becomes your main focus rather than evolving and moving to the future. So the the, the idea here is to really start to interrogate your own personality first and say, am I holding on to my old identity? Am I not wanting to let go of that in order to build something new because the new is unknown? And then to interrogate it further and say, in my company, in my business, whatever it is that you do, what are we focusing in on? Are we, are we still holding on to the past as much as we can, not letting go of it in order to be preserving of that? And a great example mm. of this is people in finance, you know, the bankers, the actuaries, the finance people all think Bitcoin's rubbish. Not all, most, because it doesn't fit into their paradigm. But you think about all these people that really have got fresh eyes on on digitized currencies and money in general, and they think it absolutely makes sense. Where they think the old fiat currency doesn't make any sense. So mm. this is a toy and a, and a sort of tension that needs to be um, interrogated uh, on 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 many levels. And recently, I worked with an organization on the future of travel, and I'll share that right after you make some of the points that you're making on the notes that you're writing down right now. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Eric. <laughs> it's how
1: I think. It's how yeah, I pin ideas yes, down. Yes, yes, right? I see that. I see that. So,
0: um, so uh,
1: no, as you were speaking, I thought, you know, there's there's two things that are happening. Like, if you are um, very center past, for you to shift to center future mm. it's going to be, number one, it is letting go of those deeply held um ideas that you have or the or the identity that you have or the traditions that you have Mm. that's already quite difficult and then the second challenge you're going to face once you're willing to do that is that you have to go and explore the unknown Mm. which is filled with uncertainty and which feels very big and very daunting Mm. and the example that I've actually been using quite a bit recently is that I I bought my first NFT the other day Mm. Um, and the reason I bought it is because I've become aware of I'm just calling it the absurdity trap. Like what happens is that you, you look around you in the world and you see big change happening Mm. and your response to that is what the hell's going on? Yeah. Like I, I I just don't get it. You know, like it's absurd. Like you categorize it. It's like, it's crazy. It doesn't make sense. So you file it away and you carry on with your life again. And then after a bit of time, it pops up again. It's like a notification that lands Mm. on your screen. It's like, Mm. Hey, something's happening that you need to pay attention to. And you just go, no, swipe. Yeah. You, 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 put it away yeah and the longer you do that yeah the more the The
0: bigger the dragon gets yes exactly
1: the bigger it gets and so I went and I bought an NFT recently and the Mm. reason I bought it wasn't to be an NFT collector or an expert Mm. it's because I just wanted to understand what's happening here like because I've been looking at people selling from 69 million dollars yeah. I saw the ether rocks came out that sold yeah. for like a million dollars each. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And so that's actually become a bit of a litmus test for me. It's like mm. when I'm saying what the hell is going on here, mm. that is actually a bit of a red flag that says go and explore. Like yeah. this is where you need to go and look. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, obviously my new book, it's called strange, what you're calling absurd. And I like actually prefer the word absurd. Uh, Pretty, my book's gone to print. I would have changed it to TM trademark. Um, But yeah, fantastic. I like that. Um, One of the other things that I'm starting to see that I find strange only because of my upbringing and background is gender fluidity. And, Mm. you know, I shared a stage with a 60 year old professor that was wearing nail polish and lipstick. And by the looks of things, he's straight, but he's fluid in his gender. And, you know, the thing is, he was such an amazing guy and so many ideas and bubbling with energy and to try and move away from his nail polish and his lipstick and his makeup to try and get to that was also... it's strange. That's all it is, really. I mean, it's just strange. Not that it's wrong or or, or right in any way. It's just, mm. it's just something new you have to get used to, right? But also nobody's saying, and I think what, what we also have to realize, and look, so I worked with um, Investec. Uh, they've got a travel business, and we were talking about innovation and disruption. And one of the things that we have to think about is when you are center, I think what happens is that what we think we need to do is we need to be immediately disruptive. And that's very hard. So we were talking about Mm. the future of travel. And and if you think about it, the most extreme case of travel right now, the most disruptive idea for me or what I've seen is virtual travel, virtual uh, from Japan Airlines, where they got those avatars around the world where you can click into one of the avatars and they're wearing digital skin that you can put on as well. And you can feel what that robot is feeling. You can see what that robot is seeing and you can hear what that robot is hearing. You can't smell or taste yet, but Japan Airlines has created and partnered these startups that are thinking about the future of travel. Now, as a travel agency and a travel business, that's extreme. That's like Mm. right on the edge of it, right? The next part of travel could be sort of like utilizing AI and utilizing data to make more suggestions on your travel using a sort of algorithm like Spotify has. Then you come into the center and you say, well, look... You know, this is a value add to our clients and we want to just make it better for them and we're going to put more people onto it and make it more personal and add more manpower to it. And and then you can keep going backwards toward. let's go to the cheapest route like Discovery does and we'll use points to make the travel work. And so there's layered processes to think about the future. And I think what mm. most people do is they go, like, I can't think about Japan Airlines. There's no way I'm going to do anything. And like, okay, yes, there you can't do anything, but then what you do is you shut yourself off to all the other layers in between where you are now and that. And so you buying an NFT is a wonderful example of just saying, well, I just want to figure it out. I mean, it's 3000 Rand or something, whatever you spent on it, right? Yeah. And what I've seen, you've already made 18 million US gazillion dollars because that's what it looks like. So congratulations. No, so like just to try it out and, and like that's what I did when I bought Bitcoin. It's like, I just want to figure out what it is. And, and the truth is my new book is going to be an NFT and my new book is going to have an augmented reality cover. And do you know, do you think I know what I'm doing? No, I have no idea. It's like, I'm just figuring it out. I'm experimenting. Will I most probably make some mistakes along the way? Absolutely. But I just want to play and experiment and I don't have to be a professional and I don't have to be, um, get it right the very first time. So, yeah, I think it's important to think about this process in layers, you know, um, and, and, and not yeah. close off the opportunity for any improvement because of the layering and the fear of it.
1: I love that you say that because I do think that, you know, when we talk about the future, I, I think we, we purposefully also try and create a bit of urgency for people to say, like, you have to go and do something. You can't just wait because the future that we are talking about isn't five years or 10 years into yeah, the future yeah we're not saying oh like prepare all your things today so that you are ready five years from now we are saying like the future is happening right now it's happening today tomorrow like every every day that you don't do anything you are falling behind a bit mm. but we're also not saying revolutionize today immediately yeah. i like that you know there's a there's a differentiation here that start exploring, like Mm. start taking some steps into the unknown, Mm. into the uncertainty, Mm. start seeing what's happening on the fringe and exposing Mm. yourself to it. Because when you do that, you are setting in motion the series of events that will open up your mind and your thinking. Yes, Yes. And and that's exactly what happened for me with the NFTs, is that going through it, I have a new understanding and appreciation for what's happening. Mm.
0: Mm.
1: I can think of how it, it plays into our world, how you drop a book, and you drop an NFT with it. Mm. Kanye West drops an album. He drops 10,000 NFTs with it. Mm. There's a lot of value that gets created through that. Mm. There's some supply and demand. There's a collectible mm. idea behind it. Mm. But more than that, I'm starting to see that NFTs have utility behind them. Mm. You know, and like utility at the moment for many people is that it's a sign of, it's like uh, value signaling like mm. people have these uh, profile pictures as the nfts like yeah. a bored ape or a crypto punk yeah. so what you're signaling is the worth that you own a crypto punk yeah. like that's actually what it's about but there is utility behind it which is that ultimately it's a it's a digital token that has and stores value yes the fact that it's a jpeg or a video doesn't, actually matter. doesn't matter as yeah. much you know yeah so people are still they need to wrap their head around that but because i've gone through it um, understanding the possibility mm. and that is the biggest gift mm. from buying a absolutely. three thousand rand nft yeah. you know yeah. and that's why i want to get people to like just just go and explore like yeah. go and explore in a low risk kind of way like yeah. it's ten dollars to get some ether and buy an nft like try yeah. it see yeah. what it's about
0: yeah absolutely i, mean, I was watching a, a documentary on nfts and they were talking about the kids today when it's their birthdays they don't want shoes they want a new skin for their character on Fortnite. Yeah, it gives them the. And somebody was like, Are you mad? They're like, No, it gives you the same sense of feeling that you would when you put a pair of new Nikes on to when you got your skin on in in Fortnite. It gives you the same sense, like in your brain, Mm. you have the same emotional feel. But you know, as an old school person, you're like, Nah, that doesn't make sense. I'm not sure they have the shoes, but like, no, according to these young kids, that's actually makes all the sense in the world, you know. I think one of the main ones that we are like, sensing in the world more than ever before is masculinity is this having to let go of the old ideas of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a new version of this modern man which nobody really knows but that is a big one around the world you know and we obviously have this huge like movement around feminism just like i suppose you know the anger and the frustration of of thousands of years of 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 sort of the, the toxic masculinity that's been around but that's also an identity that needs to be shifted. And, and I think we see that in sort of these archetypal, dictatorial uh, presidents uh, and uh, for life of certain countries and even CEOs of organizations. So that's also another identity that's really underlying a lot of other identities, you know, and, and something that we have to work on and let go of and heal and fix and and sort of move mm. forward. So this sort of center future, center left, center right, center past, however you want to frame it, I think it's important to interrogate for yourself, for your company, for your career, and even for your gender, because I think it mm. even starts to tap in there. So that's the episode. I want
1: to yeah. quickly ask you a question just before mm. we move to the questions on, on WhatsApp. Mm. Um, how, do you, how do you balance out your own values and the things that, because we aren't saying that tradition is useless, right? Mm. We're not saying that, that it should be done away with. We're not saying that like Rome should completely neglect, for example, uh, everything about the rich history that you enjoyed so much over the past few days and just be future focused. Like we're not saying that, obviously. So how do you balance out, especially for, for individuals, how do you balance out the tradition of who you are, the values that you hold, for example, in gender and what you think traditionally a man should be versus shifts in culture Especially when the, that shift in the culture isn't necessarily created by, by something that you agree with or that is, uh, you know, the right uh, dictating what it should be versus like you maybe far left. Like how do you, how, you get my question? How do you reconcile that?
0: So look, I think it's a very personal process. I think the beginning of it comes with that where you are is not always where you have to be. That's all. It's like, look, I have, you, have, you have a lot of tradition, you know. You, you, you come from springs and that's got a lot of deep tradition <laughs> attached to it. <laughs> for, the, for, for the listeners who don't know where springs <laughs> Springs is a is like it's a mockery. I'm, I'm sorry, Eric. I'm just, it's, a, it's a little bit of a mockery because it's got a bit of attachment that to was it. Good. Like, yeah, that's good. Was look, good. I'm from Edenvale. <laughs> I'm from Middle East. You're from Far East. So, look, I think I think we all have a very personal journey to go on. I think it's only just about exploring to your own comfort level. But the trick and the word there is exploring. And mm. if you're not exploring, then you're not evolving. And I think what we do is we, we don't it hurt you know what it's expensive for our brains to explore it's tough yeah and 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 it yeah. hurts our brains to explore, so we don't want to actually do it. you know we we flick past that, so that's that's personal. just explore and experiment, but then in a company, I always suggest create today and tomorrow teams, like mm. focus on what you have to do today and keep yourself focused, and then create a tomorrow team that can actually so if you think about Italy, for example, you know if you're spending. 60% of your money or 100% of your money keeping the old stuff alive, I would split that up and say, look, take 60% and keep the old stuff alive. And then 40% create a tomorrow team to, to figure out what tomorrow mm. looks like. You know, who's the Da Vinci and Michelangelo of tomorrow inside Italy mm. so that you have that sort of process happening as well so that you're not just focusing on the Colosseum, et cetera, and all those other stories. So. Yeah. Cool. Um, before we go into the WhatsApp questions, uh, and thank you so much for everybody that has sent us those WhatsApp questions. Our WhatsApp number again is plus 27646411701. And people are sending a lot of questions. We can't always get through them. Um, and thank you so much for them. But before we go into that, Eric and I have a book coming out next year. Oh, just hell in yes. Uh, this was the first time we're talking about it, I guess. But what we decided long time ago when we first started the podcast is that when we get to a substantial number of episodes, and we're on 84, you said, um, 84, yep. Yeah, and it would be great for us to write a book based on the topics themselves that we cover. So let's say we do 80 of the topics um, and there'll be 80 lessons, no more than two or three pages. So you can read it in one sitting and get some sort of value. And also for us to talk about the process of experimentation, expressing ourselves on this medium, utilizing this medium as a great marketing tool and how everybody else should be doing something like this. You know, we are all... Multimedia brands, and we need to be expressing ourselves in as many ways as possible so that we create more trust and more traction out there. So, 2022, look out for a new Mm. book called The Expansive. And, uh, really looking forward to that. And uh, we don't know when it's going to be coming out, but, uh, it's going to be a great, great, uh, project to be working with you on, Eric.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. Um, honestly, like I was saying to you, because we, it's been in the back of our minds for a long time. And I think, like recently, we've said, Yes, we, we're going ahead. We're definitely doing this. And it's just the expansive has been such a labor of love this entire time. So for it to be solidified as well in a book that we can share with people and that has uh, longevity to it once these podcasts all fade into oblivion, uh, that's gonna be, it's going to be great.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great. So we're looking forward to that. So 2022, keep your eye out for the expansive business book. Uh, we yes, don't know exactly man. what the name is or the payoff line is, but that is where it's at. So let's go to the WhatsApp uh, questions and we're going to do two questions today.
1: Yep. Hi, Eric and John. This is Andrew from Durban. Um, I tend to get a little bit complacent and can get unmotivated um, at times, especially when it comes to just in general work, gym, um, those types of things. How can mindfulness help with... Uh, either minimizing that effect or stopping it altogether, thank you
0: <laughs> Let me tell you, Andrew right Andrew, bless you, brother. You live in Durban that's the normal energy in Durban. What are you talking about that's you're very energized for somebody from Durban. one of the. Yeah, one of that the-, the- <laughs> One of the things that I actually uh, speak about in my transformation talk, I talk about the many different things that hold companies back from transforming. And one of them is the city you live in. The city Mm. and the culture that you're in predetermines the level of energy and transformation that you have. So the example I use is Israel. (laughs) Israel is 100% innovative like nobody else. Per capita, they have more billionaires, uh, unicorn, schmunicorn, new brands coming out, all tech startups than any other country in the world. And then you go to another country and I'm not going to name any names, but they have nothing coming out. You know what I mean? They're so like stuck in the past and they're doing other things. So really the city you live in determines your energy levels. That's the first answer. The second answer for me is you don't have clarity of who you want to be and where you want to go. If you have clarity on that, the energy arrives. And I don't think it's an energy issue; it's a clarity of who you want to be and where you want to go. Those are my two points. Get out of Durban and become clear mm, who you want to go, Eric. Move.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I think when it comes to so mindfulness as a as a word means what are you focusing on? What are you, what are you keeping top of exactly, mind? Exactly. And and unfortunately, uh, we know that we are pretty much most of the time living either in the uh, in the past or in the future Mm. so we we actually like we say we want to be mindful but like you need to identify and i think this ties back to what you're saying you need to identify what you want to be mindful about yeah and when i listen to complacency first what pops up for me is that you are in a state of survival mode you want a state of being harmless and where you need to shift to is to become dangerous and what does that look and feel like and what does that move like Mm. so it is it really is about identifying what does that state look like for you reverse engineering that back to a few like tangible things to focus on. Like, um, you know, you've spoken before about a to-be list, Mm. like create that to-be list for yourself and review it every single morning. Mm. And when you can do that, then I think uh, you become a bit less complacent because you know what your best Mm. self looks like and you get to work towards that every single day.
0: I think the best example is when you put GPS coordinates in your gps google maps you get there there's no gps coordinates (laughs) so there's no getting there so like there's no clarity on that so that that that's the that's the one thing I thank you for the question but what a laugh next one hello i'm hester how can a person be continuously mindful esther where are you calling from um again i I think this from clarkstorp okay so esther i don't think you can be continuously mindful unless you're a monk um i don't know anybody who can be many of our thoughts are you know flavored by our past um, mm. and many times flavored by our past not by our future and so really it's about not giving yourself the pressure of being mindful all the time but just allowing the process of clarity to give you more focus on where you're going and what actions are required in the moment and so i mm. think this is a this is a process of fitness that we need to get through because if you're not fit in the process of clarity, then you are going to be lacking in mindfulness and actually living very much in your past, not in your future. Um, Eric?
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And the way I would approach that is in two ways. I'd say, firstly, um, you need to become a lot more intentional with probably most areas of your life. Because uh, like the problem is that we so quickly move on to autopilot. And like you were saying a bit earlier, it's because uh the brain wants to conserve energy as much as possible. So what do we do? Well, we can't be intentional and mindful all the time. So we put things onto the back burner. We just allow our subconscious to take care of that for ourselves. And that's fine to a certain degree. But the problem is that over time, it runs you down into the ground because mm-hmm. you are also automating bad habits, bad ways yeah. of thinking. Mm-hmm. And so you need to – and that's when people crash. That's when they come to coaching because they're like – you know, I've been living on autopilot for too long. I want to be more intentional again. So recognize that there's a limit to how intentional you can be and how mindful you can be through the day. Mm-hmm. And then the best thing to do is to then say, well, let me create certain rules that will help me to stay on the path mm-hmm. without me having to be mindful about it. So mm-hmm. for example, if you are, uh, I was listening to a podcast this morning and the guy was saying, you know, it's easier for me to say, I train every single morning at seven o'clock than for me to say I train five days a week. Because it means that on two days wow. of the week, I need to negotiate with myself, you yes. know, and I have to say, like, is this my day off or not my day off? Whereas if the rule is I train every single morning at seven o'clock, then that's non-negotiable. So mm. you are being mindful in that, in that situation without being mindful. Yes. Like you've, you've taken the mindfulness and you've, you've scripted it. You've automated yeah. it. Yeah. And good. I think that's a great way of thinking about it as well.
0: I like that. Very good. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us and tuning into the expansive podcast that comes to the end of this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend or with your team. If you really enjoyed it, then please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you can't or don't listen to iTunes, please send us a review on Instagram or on the WhatsApp uh, number, and we will then post it on your behalf. The first um, a quick reminder that there are two ways in which you can enrich your expansive experience. The first is to book either myself or Eric for your speaking event. as well. We do combined learning experiences and we've done them for a company in New York was the last one we did, which was really a lot of fun. And if you want to join our WhatsApp call, please do. It's plus twenty seven oh six four six four one one seven zero one 641 27064-641-1701. And... I want to say, ciao, Bella, from uh, Florenzo. <laughs> I'm going to go have a pasta now. You know, I haven't been making that, any that, videos because every time I want to make a video, I want to talk like this. And I thought, that's so cheesy, John. You're going be talking like this. Somebody at a tour this morning said to me, what's your name? I said, Gianni. Not John, Gianni. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, and from Paul's of bye, Boots.
0: <laughs> from Paul's. <laughs> Cheers, Boots. Okay guys, thanks so much. Ciao. Cheers, everyone. Ciao.